or some indictments uh, that are going to rain down shortly. That was paid to We're in the one yard. Michael this Cohen is live. testified that he Legally got another $300,000 in bonuses. So it's clearly oh, fraudulently on the oh. books of the Trump organization. Of Alan Weisselberg, the CFO, and the controller of the company, under the auspices and approval of Donald Trump, as legal expenses and a retainer to to uh, Michael Cohen, for which there's no retainer agreement, and Michael Cohen has testified that, that was all a ruse and a sham to cover up the Stormy Daniels payment and him mm -hmm, getting a mm -hmm, bonus mm -hmm. for having participated in that. That then gets recorded as an bonus. expense, right? We're back to the Michael taxes, which who knows better than Alvin Bragg, the tax fraud of the Trump bonus. organization, because he got a 17-count conviction of the Trump organization for tax fraud. Let it rain. Weisselberg is spending his, Let his rain. Uh, golden years, or at least Let a large portion of those five months, sitting in Rikers Island, on. 12 miles off of the coast of the Manhattan DA's office, cooling his heels, waiting to testify somewhere. And so um, that, if that is a, um, a fraudulent tax deduction, business deduction, you know, $450,000 worth, that's tax fraud, money laundering. I mean, we could go uh -huh. on and on. I think oh. Alvin Bragg has a problem with the second time. Totally. And the other thing that I look at is the statute when you read the statute, it doesn't say who had to commit the crime. So, in other words, it doesn't have to have been Donald Trump that committed the crime that they're concealing or covering. So just keep that in mind. Um, Karen, I have just uh, two questions for you. So, uh, does filing the, this set of criminal charges based on the hush money payment, that doesn't waive the fact that Alvin Bragg can still bring other criminal charges. If it hasn't even said that he's still investigating um, other financial crimes that are being committed by Donald Trump, they're just focusing on this hush money payment for the immediate criminal indictment. Yeah, 100%. I mean, one of the frustrations that um, people have with prosecutors, understandably, is is they speak through their court filings. They don't typically speak through speak publicly about uh, investigations. It's not really appropriate and ethical to talk about uh, ongoing investigations. Not only can it, uh, it not only can it affect the investigation and, and witnesses, etc. There, there's ethical rules about what you can and cannot say. Uh, tarring a person with a potential crime when they haven't even been charged. So, uh, so there's all sorts of issues surrounding that. So prosecutors typically don't speak <clears throat> about pending investigations. And so on the outside, as you speculate, and you read the tea leaves, and, and you try to figure Not out what's going speculation. on. Uh, tenure as soon as he was elected because they had a long ongoing investigation into other financial crimes by Donald Trump uh, involving the valuation of various assets that he had. He was inflating the value when it suited him and he was um, de devaluing or, or deflating the assets when it suited him depending on which number he <clears throat> helped him. You know, if he needed it to be worth more to borrow money off of a certain property. Significant. So, so when Alvin Bragg uh, came forward as um, the new DA and, and 
he was talking to the team about the case, he decided that uh, it's a good case, but he wanted more. There wasn't enough. And, um, and the two prosecutors in the case, I think, were frustrated um, and disagreed with that decision. And, uh, and so one of them you know, leaked his resignation letter to the press and now has written a book and is on a, you know, a, a tour basically saying, you know, um, you should have listened to me. Um, you know, but Alvin Bragg has said all along, that investigation is not over. I would just, I'm still pending. I just wanted to get more evidence. And, you know, uh, if that case was so strong, by the way, the Southern District would have indicted it based on on the evidence in that book and, and what uh, Mark Pomerant said. So, you know, there's, there's more than one prosecutor who has passed on the evidence as he had it. But for the last year since since they resigned, there have been uh, the investigation has continued. Okay. I'm sure Bragg and his team have many, much more evidence, and it, at the appropriate time, when they feel they have enough to prove that case beyond a reasonable doubt, there could be charges relating to that, as well as other charges. I mean, don't forget, the Manhattan VA's office under Cy Vance went all the way up to the Supreme Court to litigate the issue of getting Donald Trump's tax returns. And so they've had those tax returns that, um, for years, and now they are going through them. And charges could still come based on on that as well. So yes, there are potentially other matters. Alvin Bragg has said those cases are pen, are open. The investigations are open. We just don't know what he has going on because he rightfully can't talk about it. And here one's about to happen. So I don't know why people were skeptical of him. So far, he has been completely. You know, what, what we can see being reported in the press, we can see that. that and look, I, 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 I definitely happening. I definitely do understand, though, the initial skepticism and where it comes from, because it looked like Cy Vance was doing all this great work, that Cy Vance had this team. And then, you know, people rightfully it's all in front of us, Donald Trump's crimes and his and his fraud. And every single day he um kind of just flagrantly mocks our justice system so any more feeling like justice is being delayed after the trauma that trump has caused this country it's a visceral reaction that i think lots of people have but i think what we've always tried to do here on the midas touch network and legal af is simply present what the data was reflecting and to me the data had always reflected what alvin bragg's strategy was is first you know you get your first kind of win call it your single if you will if you want to use a baseball analogy regarding the trump corporation the trump organization 17 felony convictions there get the top uh, get the cfo in rikers for not a long time but you know a month or two you know and and, and show that you mean business there you're not waiving anything else it's five Next, it, 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 you know, spending five months in Rikers is 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 not an easy uh, thing by 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 any means. But then you go on to the next case. Sex with Stormy Daniels while his wife just gave birth to their first kid, and 
He's given hush money. I mean, people are going to hate it. They're going to hate this guy like they did in the other case. And they already do, of course. And I think he's going to be convicted. And, you know, as you said, it can be up to four years in, in jail. I mean, is he ultimately going to serve that amount of time? No, but I think he will see, could and will serve some prison time in this conviction. And then you're not waiving your grand slam case. And by the way, you've got New York Attorney General Letitia James um, pursuing the civil case, which, as Popak said at the outset, is basically the death knell for the. from the New York AG's office. So there's a lot of strategy going on. My final question to you, though, Karen, is, you know, when Trump is calling Stormy Daniels horse face repeatedly, who is a key witness no, in this case, the, one of the key witnesses here, um, and also now saying that she extorted him, which he's lying about, um, when does that become even potentially witness tampering? I mean, you don't normally see that in any type of case where somebody being pursued is calling the main witness in the case horrific names and and, and it does it is start, starting to feel criminal frankly those accusations i mean what do you think from your perspective as a prosecutor look it, it it's that's a fine line right and, and he, he's good at walking that line i think if he starts bullying her that's that's where it becomes a problem and he's starting to bully her especially if she starts to uh, get things like threats or other, uh, you know, other kind of things that happen to her uh, <laughs> um, as a result of his comments. So, and, and you know, he, he, he has to stop attacking her. So you know, <laughs> his attacks on her, I think at a certain point could be considered witness tampering. So, you know, we'll see how, if he continues to do it, but witness tampering is, you know, a little tricky. Um, it's a little tricky because obviously he can say what he wants, you know, publicly about her. Karen Friedman Agnifilo, we want to thank you for sharing your wealth of knowledge there. Before we cut to a quick commercial break, I want to read this quote because this All is what right. we're going to talk about right after this commercial break. This is what a federal judge just wrote in the E. Jean Carroll case about allowing evidence into that case about prior acts by Donald Trump of sexual misconduct. This is what a federal judge wrote. In this case, a jury reasonably could find, even from the Access Hollywood tape alone, that Mr. Trump admitted in the tape that he, in fact, has had contact with women's genitalia in the past without their consent or that he has attempted to do so. We're going to talk about this bombshell order after this quick break. Now let's take a quick break to talk about our next partner, Miracle Maid. Did you know that your temperature at night can have one of the greatest impacts on your sleep quality? If you wake up too hot or too cold, I highly recommend that you check out Miracle Made.
I'm on a high way to hell. Legal AF is on Instagram. Mm. No, I'm not really. Ah. Oh, I might have touched. I'm on a high way to hell. First, the music and music. civil rape and defamation 
lawsuit. who says in her allegations that she was raped by Donald Trump in the dressing room mm -hmm. of a department store in Manhattan in 1995 or 1996. And we reported a month or so ago about motions that Donald Trump had brought, not by his lead lawyer, Joe Tacopina, who we're going to talk about as we get in a little deep to the podcast today, but by Alina Haba, Alina Haba only. She's the only name that appears with her partner on the motion that was filed to do. Diaper Don, Diaper Don, Diaper Don. Mike okay. and recorded with Billy Bush, then the host of Access Hollywood, in which he bragged about numerous sexual conquests, a number of them being without consent, talked about being uh, how a star can do anything, like and he that. considered himself a star, including touching a woman's genitalia without consent. Diaper, he talked about, uh, you know, not just women in a misogynist a way, which of course, so, uh, nobody's surprised by that, but went further in this, you know, secret tape showing his down. motive here back in 2000 and uh, back in uh, 2005 about maybe how not. he grabs women by their genitalia because he can as a star. Hey, before you, yeah. before you sure. give the analysis, would you mind if I just read the portion from the judge's diaper, description diaper, of the tape? Because if you allow me to say yes, yes, you allow me to say one thing. When I you, you want to say the thing first, and then I yeah, 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 because it's going to lead into your thing. I've read a lot of federal orders in my day, but involved a lot of federal orders. But the fact that Lewis Castle, the judge, and you're about to read it, went into verbatim exactly all of these terrible sexual misogynist um, uh, comments by Donald Trump without any bleeping out, without any redaction against a former president is unprecedented. And then we're going to tell you at the end, it all went against Donald Trump in the ruling. But why don't you go through each of the comments that were made by Donald Trump that the judge then reported in his decision and his analysis. Yeah, I mean, the reality is it's so disgusting that I, I just don't want to read them all. I, I think you'll get a flavor of it. But this is what the judge wrote, a federal judge writing in a federal court order about what Donald Trump said. The first italicized portion of the Access Hollywood tape excerpts evidences Mr. Trump stating that he, quote, moved on a woman named like Nancy, quote, like a bitch, that he, quote, tried to fuck her. The second italicized portion evidences Mr. Trump said that he just starts kissing beautiful women. He does not first obtain consent that the woman just let one do it when one is, quote, a star, and that, quote, a star can, quote, grab beautiful women by their genitals or do anything that, quote, the star wants. Moreover, he testified in his deposition that he considers himself to be a star. That's from a federal court order. 
Oh, oh you, you've been kind to Donald Trump because we'll, we'll put it up on the screen there and we can make a link to it on our various Twitter feeds of what the federal judge felt he had to write in order to properly analyze and lay out the case. Let me finish my thought. There's two buckets that were Donald Trump wants to keep out from the jury. One is everything related to the Access Hollywood tape, part of which, Ben, you just read. The second is at least two other women at various times who say that Donald Trump touched them without their consent, kissed them, touched the genitalia, and the like. One woman, while she was on a plane traveling and just happened happened to get the terrible twist of fate. Jessica Leeds. Yeah, just yeah, Jessica Leeds happened to get upgraded from economy class to first class sitting next to Donald Trump and says she was groped by him. That that is non-consensual sexual touching as the criminal law lays it out. And Natasha Stoinoff, a reporter for People magazine, who was sent to Mar-a-Lago to do a puff piece on the marriage of Donald Trump and Melania. And as soon as Melania left the room, Natasha Stoinoff says that Trump pinned her against the wall, tried to kiss her, and demanded that she enter into an affair with him. So those, he doesn't want that, he doesn't want those people testifying. And the ins let's get to the legal issues, because this is what the, the judge is doing, right? He's not just sitting there, you know, with his own, well, th these are all fascinating issues. He's got to look at it from a legal perspective. And the two, the two rules of evidence that the judge, Kaplan, has to balance and did balance to find that those two women are going to be able to testify, and all of that access Hollywood tape is coming in in front of the jury, was... A rule of evidence we call 403, because it's numbered that way, and a rule of evidence we call 415, and there's a balance between the two of them. 403 is the general rule of evidence that says that even if something has probative value, meaning it tends to prove or disprove a fact in the case, we call that probative, if the prejudice or other factors outweigh the probative value, the judge can rule that it will be excluded from the jury so you have that. But 415, as amended in 1994, says that in, it, that in, in the case of sexual assault being claimed, right, if sexual assault in a civil context, not a crime, not the prosecution, the civil context, then you actually are allowed to bring in evidence of past bad sexual assault acts to prove that the person, in this case Donald Trump, had a propensity, meaning he had a, a uh, it is more likely than not that he committed this particular criminal sexual assault against E. Jean Carroll because he did it in the past. And the reason that the federal rules amended were amended in 1994 is because they recognized that in child molestation cases and in sexual assault cases involving victims, it's uh, adults, it's often he said, she said, or he said, child said, and there needs to be the ability to bring in and to balance the evidential scale, there needs to be this other type of evidence in a civil context to a, because they wanted to see justice done when it related to it. Donald Trump has walked right into this, and his tweets, this, this, this is a, a special comeuppance that our, our followers and listeners will find particularly interesting. His tweets and his denials and calling it a hoax for Eugene Carroll that it never happened and that she's ugly, that I, I look at her, I never would be, I would never do these things to her. 
are, it was part of the analysis that Judge Kaplan used to bring the evidence in. The more he squealed and, and defamed her about this sexual assault, the more the judge felt it was under 415 of the federal rules, it should come into the jury. So, so there again, Donald Trump killing his own case one tweet at a time, one press conference at a time, and a judge calling him out on it. There's only three steps the judge had to do in this 20-page or 25-page opinion. One, is the case that E. Jean Carroll has brought, both the defamation case and the civil rape case, is it at its essence an alleged sexual assault, yes or no? And the judge said, it is. Because whether I combine the two cases, and he hasn't yet decided, it's hard to believe we're in March and the case is going to trial in April, but he hasn't yet consolidated the civil rape case and the defamation case where he denied that he ever attacked her together in before one jury, but we all think he's going to ultimately. But he said it doesn't matter because even the defamation case, which is technically the motion, uh, the motion was brought by Ahaba in the defamation case portion, right? Yeah. I see Takapina is taking over for the civil rape portion. But even there, night, the baby. essence of the element she has to prove, E. Jean Carroll, is that is that a rape occurred and that is a sexual assault so we have the sexual assault present a uh, present and under the 415 evidence analysis too is this other evidence the two women who will testify about similarly being sexually assaulted by him and the access hollywood tape does that go to other sexual assaults and the judge having listened to the tape as you've repeated part of it uh, said on the show today and of course the testimony the proffered testimony of the two women said yes they that, that all involves sexual assault he said grab them by the p word on the tape that is a sexual assault in every state and what happened to this uh, uh to natasha stoinov in florida that happened at mar-a-lago that is a crime in florida if it is true so he's got the second element this is a sexual assault case. Those were sexual assault evidence. And then he's just got to do the last balancing test, which is the 403 balancing test. Does this overwhelmingly blow the minds of the jury so it's so prejudicial? And he said under 415, which gives the benefit of the doubt to the, to the civil sex assault victim who's suing over it. And looking at all of Donald Trump's denials and calling it a hoax and calling her a fraud and all of his tweets, I find that all of this evidence is coming in. So now, whether it's Joe Tacopina or it's Alina Haba, they've got, so let's just put it this way, their hands full <laughs> in front of a New York jury that's not only going to hear about uh, first witness up on the stand is E. Jean Carroll, who's going who's to go over all of her knowledge <laughs> of exactly what happened to her leading to the sexual assault <laughs> in the Bergdorf Goodman dressing room. <laughs> you 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 may hear from Donald Trump. I assume they're going to call him even as a hostile witness. Donald Trump, I guess, says it's all a lie, and of course he's going to then be confronted by uh, E. Jean Carroll's lawyer, Robert Kaplan, on video in his testimony with all the places that he crapped the bed in his deposition testimony, where he couldn't recognize E. Jean Carroll as a stripper for Marla Maples, one of his personal wives, uh, which totally undermines the argument that he wasn't attracted to her, that's why he didn't rape her, which is not a defense, just to be clear, and all the other stupid things he said in deposition. So he's going to get destroyed in deposition.
Donald Trump as, a, as the witness, and he says, well, that's not what I mean. Oh, it was just locker room talk, all the stuff that worked for him on the campaign trail, but will not work for him in a court of law. And then you bring in the last two witnesses, which are the other women who said, me, me too. This happened to me too, sexual assault. And then you turn it over to the jury. And I don't know, Ben, what do you think? Uh, by, let, lunchtime, let, 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 they, by lunchtime, they... Ver they yeah. Well, let, let, let's geek it here a little bit to the point <laughs> that I may disagree with, so we should have a little debate here. Um, okay. You believe that E. Jean Carroll is the first call? Give me your order of who you call as witnesses, and then I'll give you mine. <laughs> oh, it's not Donald Trump. Um, uh, I, I, he's just too day. dangerous. And uh, <laughs> I, I want to, if I'm trying this case and Robbie's trying the case, I think she puts on E. Jean Carroll because in the opening statements, all they're going to hear about is E. Jean Carroll. You could put her last. That you want it, you want it, recency in time to the opening statements. She's gonna she's gonna take a little bit of a hit in the opening by Joe Tacopina or whatever, and then and then I think it's the order that I laid out. What order would you do it? In? I would have the two women first because I'd want to establish the pattern and practice of Donald Trump and what he engages in, and you'll see two people who will be reflecting a very similar story. So then I think the jury will rightfully, at this point, completely hate Donald Trump. And then you're gonna have Donald Trump up there, you know, and I would I would call the two women first. Unless he can dodge it. Then I'd call Donald Trump. Um, and then I'd have E. Jean Carroll last. Um, I, I think that, and, and, and I wanna have E. Jean Carroll get comfortable in the court and perhaps having her as the first witness, she's been waiting two or three years, and the confidence sometimes I think my own client and witness will get see me cross-examine Donald Trump. Trump's gonna, I think, do horrible, and uh, Trump's oh, previous I, deposition testimony, he's lie. already basically called everything that he just doesn't like, like, which is true, a hoax. So you'll have these two, you'll have up. these two victims first, you'll you have Trump. <laughs> One of the other things that's not really being talked about in that order, though, which I think is still important, is the judge said that uh, the judge is reserving a ruling on all. Them and says these horrible things about them until uh, trial takes place to see if Trump opens the door, which Trump will do. So then you play all. So then you play all these videos of Trump then attacking the victims, and then you have you know then you have E. Jean Carroll, um, and I think by the time you have E. Jean Carroll at the end, uh, uh, she's confident. The jury hates Trump, and then you, you try to close strong. So that, that that's my order. I, I like I like it, and in both cases, the both presentations would win the case for E. Jean Carroll. I'll tell you why I think that last thing I'm like. Juries get a little bit impatient. They know why they're there. They know why they're there. <laughs> Jury selection in what we call the voir dire. What if he refuses to show up? Federal court, although it's limited, process in which you start selling a little bit of your case in the jury selection process. So they know why they're there. If, if, if they live in Manhattan and they don't know about E.J. Carroll, I'll be shocked. So it's going to be very hard to get any jurors off or prospective jurors off if they don't have any knowledge of the case or Donald Trump. So that's not going to be the, the, the standard by which the jury is going to be selected. So they're going to sit in the box. It's a relatively sophisticated jury. I've tried cases, of course, in the Southern District of New York. Um, 
the last one I tried a year and a half ago uh, had every every member of the jury was a college graduate and half of them were professional in some way, including with advanced degrees. That was the jury that gets pulled in Manhattan um, in the Southern District. So I, it's going to be a very intelligent jury. I think they're going to want to hear from her first. And my fear is that if she takes on a little bit of water with a very deft cross-examination, because it's not impossible to cross-examine her, of course, whether it's Joe, it'll have to be Joe Tacopina, because Alina Hoff uh, could cross her way out of a, a wet paper bag. But Tacopina, you have to be careful, but I think they'll score a couple of points here and there on some of the story, when it happened, why it took her so long to report, the lack of the DNA evidence that's now we've talked about in the past. She'll take on a little bit of water. That's better to take on early on in the case then like right before jury deliberation. So my my thinking is because of the nature of all the timeline dating back to 1995 and 1996 and all the delays related to it, I start with her, I end with the other two just to put the nail on the coffin. So this is going to be fun. You and I are going to watch it and say, you were right, I was right. We both were wrong. We started with Donald Trump. The, um, the other thing I wanted to mention about, about the case is Robbie Kaplan, I put a nerd out on her for one more moment. We've had her on the show. Karen and I interviewed her. It ended up being about the Dobbs decision because it happened that day, but we brought her out to talk about teaching Carol. And she did something extraordinary. I don't know if you thought this then. She wrote, she's handling multiple cases against Donald Trump. And she's afraid, and rightfully so, that Donald Trump is playing all of the judges against each other to try to get the ladies in various cases. We're going to talk about the civil fraud case in Ibanka in a moment, and the delays that they're trying to execute there in those, with those judges and those lawyers. And so that all the judges know what's going on, and all the inconsistent positions that the Trump organization and Donald Trump have taken in front of different judges about, I need a delay because pointing to this trial, then going to that trial and saying, I need a delay because of the other trial. You know, it's like asking mommy for permission without daddy knowing. So, so Robbie Kaplan took it, took it upon herself to write a letter to all of the judges that are being played by Donald Trump saying, here's a filing judge that he just filed in the other case. Some of the cases that she wrote, and she's not even before those judges, she just wrote a letter to Angoron in the civil fraud case to let him know that he's being played about a potential delay there that they're seeking because they want six more months, even though the judge has said we're going to trial on civil fraud, hell or high water, October 2nd. That hasn't stopped the new lawyers from coming in and saying, we need six more months. we got to depose Michael Cohen in this case and Deutsche Bank and everybody else. So Robbie Kaplan wrote a letter to all the judges saying, you're basically being played. Don't let it happen. Keep your trial dates where they are and don't let him play you. I love Robbie Kaplan. I think ultimately in the, in the match between Robbie Kaplan and Joe Takapina, as good as a lawyer as Joe Takapina is, and he's so much better than Alina Hava, that I think in front of that Manhattan jury, this is going to be a win for E.G. Carroll and for Justice. Couldn't agree more with you, and uh, talking about a win for Justice, or perhaps uh, a, a little bit of just a slight thumbs up for Justice, not a, not a total win, but Having Donald Trump's top senior campaign lawyer uh, from 2020 stipulate that she lied, that's what she did. She's now claiming that didn't happen, but she did. Um, and being publicly censured by essentially the equivalent of 
Colorado's State Bar Authority. I think is very important for a lot of the cases that we're talking about and, and will actually have impact beyond just this Jenna Ellis stipulation. I mean, Jenna Ellis is a complete and utter clown. She's a phony. She has a law degree, but let's face it, she's uh, you know not a good lawyer at all. As I've said, I mean, she's the worst lawyer. I said Alina Habba is a worse lawyer and more dangerous because Alina Habba actually takes her being a bad lawyer and steps into courtrooms. Um, at least Jenna Ellis realizes she doesn't go into courtrooms, which is why I think Jenna Ellis was only publicly censured and didn't actually lose her license, even though I think that she should have at least had her license suspended because yeah. you know, these MAGA Republicans, they, they lie about the lies that they admit they to. Like, like It is always lies. There needs to be accountability. But the fact that she admitted that she lied in a public document that other lawyers can take judicial notice of and point to in cases, whether it's Jack Smith, whether it's uh, New York Attorney General, whether it's the district attorneys, whether it's um, Bonnie Willis, whether it's whoever, to say, look, this is Trump's lawyer admitting that she was lying. And look, she, she admitted in the stipulated facts and arguments. Um, it's an opinion approving a stipulation. And just for those who know what a stipulation, want to know what a stipulation is, it's an agreement. Um, so this is something that Jenna Ellis is admitting to. That's why it is a stipulation. Um, so what it says here is that um, Jenna Ellis is stipulating that she repeatedly made misrepresentations on national television and on Twitter, undermining the American public confidence in the 2020 presidential election. It's an illegal document. She stipulated to it. This is what it says. Um, and then it says that, um, that she is stipulating specifically uh, to 10 public misrepresentations that she made in November and December 2020 in her capacity as counsel for then-president's re-election campaign and as personal counsel. Who, while also at ad, advertising her status as a lawyer. So within the course and scope of her official duties for Donald Trump, she is stipulating that she has lied on his behalf. She may not, she may not realize that's what that means, but that's, I think she does, but she's saying that she's lying on his behalf by admitting that it was in the course and scope. So then here are the 10 misrepresentations that she made. I'm not going to read them all, because a lot of them are basically redundant, but I'll just give you an example. Respondent, meaning Jenna Ellis, agrees she made the following 10 misrepresentations. So, for example, on November 20th, 2020, Jenna Ellis appeared on mornings with Maria Bartiroma on Fox Business and stated, quote, we have affidavits from witnesses we have voter intimidation. We have the ballots that were manipulated. We have all kinds of statistics that show this was a coordinated effort in all of these states to transfer votes, either from Trump to Biden, to manipulate the ballots, the ballots to count them in secret. That was a lie. She stipulates she was lying when she said that. On November 20th, 2020, respondent appeared on Spicer & Co. and stated, with all those states, Nevada, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Georgia combined, we know that the election was stolen from President Trump and we can prove that. She is stipulating that that is a lie. How do we know that it says it? Jenna Ellis made these misrepresentations. She's saying that she did. 
Respondent made these misrepresentations on all of these locations and all these networks and on social media, and the parties agree that by making these misrepresentations, she violated the Colorado Rule of Professional Conduct 8.4C, which provides that it is professional misconduct for a lawyer to engage in conduct involving dishonesty, fraud, deceit, or misrepresentation. And then it says the parties also asked the court to approve their stipulation to publicly censure respondent for misconduct under the ABA standard, the American Bar Association standard 5.13, which provides that public censure is generally appropriate when a lawyer knowingly, that's what it says, knowingly engages in any non-criminal conduct that involves dishonesty, fraud, deceit, or misrepresentation that adversely reflects on the lawyer's fitness to practice law. So you may yeah. be saying, well, what's a public censure? Well, most lawyers care about their reputation. So when this gets posted on your state bar profile, that's usually very, very, very problematic to your ability to practice law when you admit that you are a liar. But for MAGA Republicans, they don't care. They don't care about their reputation because they're so far down the conspiracy rabbit hole, their reputation doesn't even matter. So this is what Jenna Ellis says after the stipulation that I just read to you. I just read to you a stipulated court document that she filed. And then Jenna Ellis goes, the politically motivated left failed miserably in their attempt to destroy me. They're now trying to falsely discredit me by saying I admitted I lied. That is false. I would never lie. Lying requires intentionally making a false statement. I never did that, nor did I stipulate more of this. The standard reads dishonesty, fraud, deceit, or, she emphasizes or, or misrepresentation. I, I mean, Popak, it, this is the thing, like facts matter, you know, and when you have a stipulation like that, when there's a public censure, when you admit it, this is the same kangaroo court stuff that she did before. It's why I said she needs to have her license removed or at least suspended because she's a menace. She's a menace to this great practice of law that you and I love when someone goes around like it makes me angry. You know, by the way, she blocks me on all social media, <laughs> which is just so cowardly. You know, and, and it's not like I attack her all the time. I mean, I did point out that Rudy Giuliani farted on her, you know, I, but everybody did that. Um, but this this is the exact opposite of what it means to be a lawyer. Like this is just as despicable as you get. What are your thoughts? Jen, well, Jenna, I'm going to do my uh, analysis backwards, just to back up what you just said. Uh, Jenna Ellis is not soon not going to be a lawyer, and mm -hmm. all the things about lying and not being truthful. You know how I know that what we're saying is true because even someone like Ann Coulter, yes, that Ann Coulter, believes that Jenna Ellis is full of you know what because she posted off of Jenna Ellis's a uh, spin about her stipulated censure stipulated admission that she knowingly made false statements about um, the, the election on media and on Twitter. <laughs> Aunt Coulter wrote, do the Trump diehards enjoy lied to talking
I was not involved with the case, but I know somebody well in Florida who I firm in Florida. He got publicly censured off of something. And I don't know how exactly it happens in Colorado, but I'm sure it's very similar. You go live to the Supreme Court of your state and you stand there at that star chamber, you know, in the dock, in the well of the court, and they read aloud the public censure. I mean, it's very um, Salem witch trials, but it happens. And that guy, who is a tough guy normally, told me on a private moment that it, it buckled his knees. And she can tweet all she wants, but eventually she's going to be standing, I believe, at the Colorado Supreme Court in front of the entire panel and publicly denounced and censured for what she did. Now, the reason she went the fast track, whereas Rudy Giuliani ignored the bar, uh, the bar uh, regulators in New York and got suspended basically because he didn't put up a fight and he put up a minimal fight in D.C., same thing happened to him. Jenna Ellis and her lawyer decided, let's come up with stipulated facts. I'll admit to knowingly doing these 10 really bad things, knowingly doing them. And let's see if I can get out from under a bar suspension or, or, or a disbarment. And the reason that she was able to do that is because the judge, and I think he was right about it, in analyzing the rules of professional conduct. And for those that follow the show, and Ben and I talk about being professionals and how proud we are to be members of this proud profession, when you see other lawyers out there who go out and do the things like Jenna Ellis and Alina Haba and Sidney Powell and Lynn Wood and everybody else, has standards that lawyers have to live by. And lawyers get sanctioned and penalized and disbarred every day in every state for all the bad things that they do. So it is a self-policing, self-regulating entity that does it through the application of the rules of professional conduct. The judge concluded based on the stipulated facts, and the judge said, it's the only set of facts I have. He didn't take testimony. He didn't have documents. This was a stipulated set of facts. Based on those facts and those admissions, I believe that this is a um, this goes to the integrity to, and the and the duties that are owed to the public at large, not to an individual client. In other words, he doesn't think she committed a rule of professional conduct violation related to her representation of Donald Trump. She believes it undermined the integrity that lawyers should always promote to the public. And once he went to that and then analyze that this, he had to then say, is this intentional conduct involving dishonesty, fraud, deceit, or, 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 um, or misrepresentation, or is it reckless, meaning at least knowing? And the judge concluded that it was reckless. She knew or should have known, but knowledge is, is part of the element, but he didn't of intentional, because if it went to intentional, it sounds like we're splitting hairs. She would have probably got disbarred. Um, and, and maybe she wouldn't have gone through this route. She would have maybe put on a, a bigger case. So I think this was sort of arranged beforehand that the, 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 um, the sentencing organization, the regulatory organization entity would seek her 
public censure and not seek her disbarment. And that's how they kind of cooked this up and delivered it to this this uh, judge or this this uh, referee for these issues. She then went out. And I don't think she should have done this because I think she'll get herself in trouble again. But that's good. And she went out on the tweet that you just said, basically trying to split hairs between, I never said it was intentional. It's knowing. It was reckless. <laughs> about a series of facts about the, the, the uh, election being a fraud, that there were 500,000 false votes in Arizona, that there, that there was that they had affidavits in hand about voter intimidation. She lied, knowingly lied. That's enough for me. He just didn't take it to intentional, the judge, to disbar her. But that's how we got to public censure. I think it starts with an arrangement or an agreement between the bar regulators and Jenna Ellis's lawyers to do it on stipulated facts and that they wouldn't seek ultimately disbarment. They'd only seek public censure. And that's where that judge went. Um, lastly, um, for her to start bragging about it, you did a really great hot take on it, for her to start bragging about it could give rise to another series of charges that were that could be brought against her. Um, we like talking about these entities that um, bring uh, plaintiff's cases or what we call them uh, artificial turf groups, but I love the name of this one. The, the group that went against her, which are going against all the former lawyers for Donald Trump, is, is the United... Uh, the state's United Democracy Center. They filed the charge, and they're going to file another charge based on the tweets that you just read, and you and I in about three or four weeks are going to be talking about another charge huh. against Jenna Ellis, and maybe, maybe the judge or referee scraps the deal and says, I don't like the way you then went out into the public because you're undermining public integrity once again. I think she just bought herself another bar charge. What do you think, Ben? I yeah, think she right. did buy herself another bar charge, and I, <laughs> that's why I said when I read the initial stipulation before she even made those comments, I said you can't, you can't just publicly She's censure these people. And, and the reality is, I think why it took the public censure direction is because even though she has a law license, she's not like a real, like, like she doesn't like go, she didn't really go into court for Trump. She like held the fake court appearances where she got farted on with Giuliani and <laughs> held the press conferences, you know, and, and I think, you know, it was, it mm -hmm. was kind of to the disciplinary authorities were like, look, she was kind of just playing make-believe lawyer here and <laughs> holding these weirdo press conferences and she hasn't actually, you know, performed like the surgical operation like she didn't go into court she didn't prepare the legal documents but i think that's a flawed analysis because the damage that she causes to the integrity of the profession and the disinformation that she that she consistently spreads even after the censure undermines the institutions in a more profound way than even it would be if she signed her name to a pleading. Still have a lot to discuss here on Legal AF, including Ivanka Trump throwing her family under the bus as the Trump Trump family seeks to delay their uh, pending uh, trial where they are a defendant in the civil fraud lawsuit brought by Letitia James. I will give my take on why Popak will give his. I think we both will share the same take that we don't think Judge Arthur Engoron. No, I'm not sure. 
is going to be moving the trial. Oh, well, we'll, well, oh, we'll no, 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 that, that I agree with. That I agree with. But, but just before we go to wherever we're going next, you and I, I think, are going to disagree about the throwing under the bus thing. I don't think that's what Ivanka's doing. We're going to talk about it. We'll talk about it right after the Because justice messages. matters. And now let's take a quick break to talk about our next partner, Be smart. Don't start. Kick the habit. Uh, put it out before it puts you out. All phrases we've heard a hundred times, yet we still continue to have bad habits. Now, as you may know, I have a horrible habit of grinding my teeth that oh, just man, drives me up the wall. Well, our sponsor, Fume, TMI. is on a mission to accelerate humanity. Anyway, so thanks for like 72K listeners and shout out to KAMP Student Radio at the University of the Redstone. <laughs> and keep it white, Pesquayakis, Tribal Radio, Tribal Radio, Tribal Radio, on the Reds with Tristan Show, Tribal Radio, Tribal Radio. I cover all the pro-democracy podcasts, and I am award-winning researcher, scholar, University of Oxford, perhaps you've heard of it, UC Berkeley, um, oh, and, uh, Tampa Medical University, and... I'm a musician, award-winning musician, writer, comedian, and have this little show where we are hot on the trial of Trump going to jail. If you like this, go sign up for my, follow Midas yes, Touch. For those wondering, Jordy does grind his teeth. That's a, that's a true... TMI. There would also relief as well that the New York AG's office is seeking, which basically would shut down the ability of all of those individuals Trump's adult children, Trump, the Trump Organization, from doing business in New York, just shutting mm-hmm. down their ability to do business because of their decade-plus-long scheme, and it probably lasted longer than that, but the New York AGs only reach into what the statute allows, a fraudulent valuations of their properties to gain all of these improper uh, benefits, just complete fraud uh, at every level and every layer of uh, that business. Case is set to go to trial. October 2nd of 2023, Judge Arthur and Goran had previously said, come hell or high water, that case is going to trial. In February, Judge Arthur and Goran reiterated that um, because smartly, smartly, all these lawyers know from scheme. So whether you're Dakota Kaplan, whether you're the New York AG, whether whatever, the lawyers are now saying, look, Judge, we know that Donald Trump is a, vex- a vexatious litigant. 
We all know the pattern and practice here. Yeah, They're can you guys bolstered please? by all of these rulings now that have existed the past few years, confirming Donald Trump essentially as a vexation. Trump tried to request a six-month delay from the trial. That's going to be ruled on by uh, Justice Arthur and Gorat, who I don't think is going to grant it. Um, and then shortly after, Trump requested the extension of time. And the reason Trump requested it, I need more. I need more time for discovery. I want to take these depositions. We don't have all of the documents, dude. They're your documents. They're the Trump or documents. They're your own. The whole discovery is 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 your records and your accounting record. So it's not one of these cases where they need a lot of discovery. It's, it's, it's their own files that are being shown to a jury. But then short, and shortly after that, um, Ivanka Fox, uh, uh, court, court document with, uh, with uh, Justice Arthur and Goran, basically saying in it, look, I had nothing to do with the statement of financial conditions. My family did that. Yeah. Trouble radio. I'm on a highway to hell. I'm a champagne. It's a curse commonly known as MAGA man. Most primitive species of early human yet discovered. <laughs> Hilarious. MAGA man. <laughs> nice. Okay. Man. Um, and to buy herself more time and to get herself a little further away from the bomb blast, which will be her brothers and Donald Trump, that uh, why me? If you go through the 200 pages of filing of the complaint that was filed. Followers, untrue. If you go carefully through the 222 pages and all of the hundreds of allegations, there is plenty of direct allegations naming Ivanka Trump in financial fraud, including in properties in Florida, in properties in Chicago, in relationships with banks and insurers, and all of that. So that, that is untrue. There is, and I gave a speculation, my own personal speculation, based on my review of the um, of the, of the uh, filings, that um, something was going on between her lawyers and, and Letitia James, and that she was being treated differently uh, in their negotiations than the lawyers and the clients of Donald Trump, Don Jr., and Eric. And I think we're seeing that borne out again here. We thought maybe Ivanka was going to flip and be a little bit more cooperative with the Attorney General than Donald Trump and the brothers have been, and that still may be the case. But I think this is not throwing under the bus yet. 
I think this is a coordinated strategy between mm -hmm. Donald Trump's lawyers, some of which overlap with Ivanka, and Ivanka's private lawyers to try to both slow down this trial, mm -hmm. buy more time, mm -hmm. give Ivanka more time more. for her own defenses, which she claims are unique and different than that of her brothers. But the ultimate complete Trump monolithic goal, whether you're judge. named Ivanka, Don Jr., Eric, or Donald, to is the same, which is to delay, to separate, to divide, Daddy's to conquer. Gone. So I don't think this is like Donald Trump opens up the New York Times and said, oh, crap, my daughter is throwing me under the bus and is going to claim that it's just my financial statements that are wrong. And she wasn't involved. He knew this was going to happen. The lawyers cooperated.